We've got 10 nights until the next full moon. Well, he was what I would call a Sasquatch. Two pilots that showed unidentified flying objects. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I don't believe 99% of the things that people claim they've seen. I think this is in that 1%. A lot of people make fun of me, but I don't care. I know it's there. G'day and welcome back to the Mellow Tiger Podcast. My name is Bree Wolf, and I'm sitting here with Jordan and Joshua Ernst. How are you guys? Good. I'm very good, thank you. Why? Well, I'm yeah. just good. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so I much don't better? know. It's Friday. I think B's been slipping me some happy pills. Do you want to complain? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, who cares? <laughs> if you feel good, you yeah, feel good. If you, you know if what good, I mean. Yeah, if you good, you Do you want me to explain it some no, more? No, it's okay. We just get it. You're just happy. Now I'm sad. Now I'm confused. You're a happy lad, aren't you? Not much bothers you. I'm not a lad. Okay. Sorry. However you identify, happy lad. We'll get back to it. Okay. No worries. So we had a few weeks off. Um, we just had some family stuff going on. Basically, I dyed my hair and then Josh and Jordan didn't want to look at it. And here we are <laughs> looking <laughs> at it. faded a bit. We should have taken another few weeks <laughs> off. <laughs> so we wanted to treat you guys today. Well, I think it's a treat. One of my favourite things, I think, is animal attacks. I don't know why. Like, are you guys the same? Do you? It's like nature just got fed up of our it. shit and just goes nuts. Yeah, it kind of reminds you you're not on the top of the, yeah. the food chain. There's no. something beautiful about watching the eyes fade on another animal. It's being eaten by another animal. No, no, um, okay. I was more like saying a tale. Why are we laughing at? I'm tra- no, Joshua, I'm talking about humans dying. Oh, <laughs> animal, animal on animal violence. It's not okay. <laughs> no, it's not no matter how hungry they are. Do you, it took me a while to realize, like, it's like you get fed a script of something, and David Attenborough makes you feel a certain way. So, for example, if you're watching a documentary on zebras, and you see them getting attacked by lions, you get really sad. You're like, zebra, get away. But then if it's focused on the lions and they're really hungry and they're trying to get the zebra, you're like, oh my God, I hope they get it. Do yeah, you know what I it's mean? It's all about it's like, perspective, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. And it took me ages until I was older to realise that. So now when I get sad when I watch documentaries, I'm like, at least the lions are fed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just, what, just one. It's the circle yeah. of sick life. one. The old one. Circle of life, <laughs> exactly. One of my favourites, I think, pretty much my favourite, ho- you could call it a horror movie, yeah, growing up was Ghost in the Darkness. Mm-hmm. So yes. I remember we were quite young when we first saw it. We were over at our auntie's house who has, well, our cousin Nicola. She's like, what, three years older than you, Josh? Oh, so, I don't know uh, like, that much. She's uh, four years older than me. Yeah, she might so, be. Yeah. yeah. So we, they're like older kids, so they were watching that. And she was like, you want to watch this? I'm like, okay, yeah, I do. I like kitty cats. <laughs> I think, yeah, I was like 10 at the time maybe. And we watched it and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I remember I was being terrified. terrified. So Ghost in the Darkness, if you don't know, it's about the true story, which we're going to be talking about today, which is the man-eaters of Savo, which are two lines that caused some grief during a railway build. <laughs> grief. <laughs> the thing was, I remember getting really... Un- <laughs> it's terrible. Oh my God, I'm so much grief. He seems like he's in a bit of grief there, Jerry. <laughs> Well, I remember being like really scared. Like I had nightmares about it and mum would be like, it's it's just a movie. Like they literally only killed a couple of chickens. That was it. You fucking lying mum. Yeah. And I found out like a couple of chickens <laughs> translates to probably a couple like almost- Featherless humans. <laughs> really, like literally they didn't, I, I can't remember how many in the end. It's it's disputed how many they killed. They reckon they ate at least 40 men. Well, but ate they, them. Yes, so they consumed at least 40 men, but that doesn't account in the Savo camps associated with this railway, but that doesn't include the surrounding camps that weren't associated with the railway and also the people that they just killed and didn't eat. 
Because mm. I was just like, fuck you. 90% of them were from the hospital. But, but the only thing <laughs> I learned from that movie is don't go to the Here's hospital. The thing. Ghost in the Darkness, I watched it the other day because, you know, I'm doing this trip down memory lane. It holds up. Oh, God, it yeah. It is a good movie. Yeah. Dan had never seen it and we were watching it together and he was like, the hospital <laughs> tent scene. <laughs> no, but the hospital tent scene, he was like, this is actually genuinely like scary. It's horrible. Mm. And they yeah. couldn't move and anywhere. It's claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah, he's such a critic, but you watch it and you think, oh, it's filmed in the 90s. It's going to be like kind of like tacky horror. It wasn't like it, you look at it and you're like a little like unrealistic sort of thing. But if you didn't really know how lines operated, you would be like, that's that's fucking yeah. horrifying. Like it was an actual GoPro. <laughs> that's why it was so realistic. But it, no, it, you watch it and it, the, it, the way they utilized the shots of the lines, like they didn't have like you don't really the see them that much. Stick. Yeah. You don't, and you don't really see the lines that much when you think about it, except for no. when you actually see the whole line as but in see, that's the, what I think is so good about the old movies, like Jaws as well. You don't see them no, that much. You they don't you, try you, to give you too much. It, they make you use your imagination. Which is yeah. the scariest thing. Exactly. The more you see the monster, the more you're like, eh. Yeah. Like, you know, when you watch a movie and you anticipate what it's going to look like, then you see it and you're like, this is shit. Yeah. Like it yeah. was, I was bow, so, bow. yeah, they should just never show it to you. I reckon. The source for this episode was a book written by J.H. Patterson or John. His name's John Henry Patterson. And he was the lead engineer on the job over in Africa. This was the Val Kilmer character in yeah. the movie, wasn't it? Oh, he's beautiful. <laughs> Val Kilmer, first crush in the 90s. Not really. Benny the Jet from Benny the Kids. Jet. The oh, which Kids. one was he? The oh, he was the other one. Oh, yeah. yeah. We don't need to go into this. No. <laughs> yeah, we do now. <laughs> but, so he wrote a book about this. Okay, the so Benny or the... Sorry, I was just like So, J.H. Patterson was born in Ireland in 1867, and from some basic research, I found he was somewhat of a badass. So, in the book, he doesn't really talk about himself at all. Like, he's just like, guess what happened to me in Africa? (laughs) Like, that's pretty much it. Like, so you have to, had to kind of figure out who he was. So, in 1885, at the age of 17, Patterson joined the British Army, where he eventually ascended to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. So, Lieutenant Colonel is someone who is usually in charge of a battalion, like a battalion or a regiment. So legit, the research I was doing, it's not like verbatim, but like he sounded like, have you seen Inglourious Bastards? Yeah. yeah. Brad Pitt from his character from Inglourious Bastards. Like this guy was like pro Jews, like let's go in and like fuck these. He didn't, he wasn't obviously in the world war with the Nazis, but he, the first world war, he was like anyone who had anything to say about anything. They sent him in and he did like the crazy specialist kind of, he was a badass. He like does a, sound like it. Yeah. You can't deny he was a remarkable person, but well, I don't know how I feel about him anyway. In night, you'll hear about it. Remember, it was a long time ago. I know. In 1898, Patterson was commissioned by the Uganda Railway Service to head to East. 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 (laughs) To head to East Africa to oversee the building of a railway bridge over Savo River. So the area is now known as Kenya. Okay. So it's a big ass bridge. the idea is that what had happened was they had two railways that had to meet at this this bridge. Yeah. And the railways hadn't quite reached the bridge yet. Like one was still coming and the other, I think it was literally like something like 100 kilometers either side of the river or yeah. some shit like that. So he was tasked to go and build the bridge while one side met it. And then by the time the other side met it as well, it, was ready to go. it would be ready to go. Okay. Yeah. yeah, right on. A lot well, of pressure. Yeah. Where's yeah. the other side? What happened to the people? <laughs> Almost a minute. <laughs> Almost immediately upon arriving, Patterson's engineering efforts were plagued by two man-eating lions whose unprecedented nightly attacks on Patterson's workers almost completely derailed the project. Did you say nightly attacks? Like, yep. Did you say derailed? Did you... S- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, pun intended. <laughs> 
So, like I said, the source of this episode was a book written by Pattinson himself. It's called The Man-Eaters of Savo. And it's like The Man-Eaters of Savo and other East African adventures. But, like, the other ones are bad. Compared to this or just bad, bad in, as in like Not as in, like, it's a bad story, but just, like, one's like, and then I shot this line. And as I shot that line, the other line was trying to run away. So I shot it. And then its cubs were there. So I shot them. And then the rhino reared its head. So I shot it. Like, it's like, he shoots everything. <laughs> just imagine anything that moved. <laughs> <laughs> and then the cats got me. You're laughing, but that's legit. But he loved animals, but he was legit like the early on trophy hunter. Where he was just like, I want to kill him and look at him. And he, he actually discovered, like... An eel, it's called an elan. It's like a species of antelope. And Ella, just, yeah, yeah, double an zoo. Oh, well, oh there you go. There. Learning stuff when you're not here. Did you have an urge to shoot it? <laughs> I, I honestly had a bit of meat on there. <laughs> so this guy was like, a, he was an avid hunter. He fucking mm. lived for the shit. He loved it, but he was also an engineer and he was in the army. So while reading this book, I had to constantly remember to try and process what Patterson was writing in the context of the time. There was a whole heap of casual racism in the book, as well as just regular racism. (laughs) (laughs) And the the trophy hunting of now extinct animals was kind of hard to read at times. He'd be like, I shot that rhino. And then that other rhino was like, it's friend. So I shot it too. Like he literally just kept fucking shooting shit. The reason he shot the other one is because it was friends. Because it was just near it. Literally, like he I would couldn't hide. let him tell the others. Maybe he was just scared of getting like someone getting revenge on him, so he just killed every <laughs> witness there. <laughs> the other one's like, "I'm gonna tell everybody." <laughs> no, no, you're not. not. <laughs> it gave me like vibes of you remember the Simpsons episode, or just like real life America, where they just killed all the buffaloes. They just went to town and just oh, killed, yeah. like just unnecessarily just killed all the buffaloes. Like he was out of control. <laughs> <laughs> The lines weren't the worry in the end. (laughs) People are disappearing. But just think when you keep the book in mind, like so many things I had to Google and I was like, yes, that's derogatory. Yes, that's derogatory. Yep, shouldn't (laughs) say that. Yeah, we don't say that no more. And one time, like when I say casual racism, it was just like he would say things because it was normal to say it at the time or because like scientifically this race was lesser or whatever. He just comes up, I don't like black people. But then one time he was like talking about a man. He was like, and he was a handsome fellow in general. But I mean, even for like for, for the Indian standard, very handsome. Like oh, it wow. Was, like, it, was, it was bad. I was just like rolling my eyes. But other than that. And that's where our show ends. <laughs> but this story only takes up, I think, like 20, 27% of the book or mm. something. Like 30%. And the rest is all like padding for other shit that I don't care about. It was no. interesting, but this is this story is just compared. You can't compare anything to it sort of thing. So he wrote a preface in the book where he kind of talks about if uh, if you're reading it, it's like, and you think that this is an exaggeration. He specifically tried to tone it down for fear of being called like dramatic or, or trying to dramatize the situation. Because of how crazy it was. Yeah. Or, so yeah. he's, he's like tried to tone it down and was like, yeah, this shit's nuts. Like it, it, I'm writing it how it happened. Yeah. Patterson's overall vibe is kind of like a justified arrogance. He is a remarkable person and he knows it and is rather matter of fact about it, but he's also kind of backwardsly humble. Like I got the vibe he only saw himself as above average because he compared himself to a race you could kind of tell he thought was beneath him. So it's like he kind of was like, oh, I'm not that impressive. I just appear that way in comparison to those I believe are lesser people than me. (laughs) So he's like, I'm not that great. It's just like he's an idiot. Like because of – like that's – he treated – all the races around him like children, which apparently was very common in the time. Like he was just yeah, like, oh, they speak a different language to me, the savages. Like that's, <laughs> but he was like a remarkable person. And as far as I could tell, like he cared for the men. But he so he didn't just, mean it. It was just the way it was. He back was then. a product of his yeah. time. Yeah. But like educate yourself. I'm sure you've got like scrolls that get sent via the mail. I don't. Well, know. He could have had Facebook articles. <laughs> he would have been on top of it. Or he would have gone one way or the other. 
<laughs> Maybe not there's the good ne- way. There's never in between, let's shake hands. <laughs> he might have had parlor or something. <laughs> with that out of the way, I really just want to concentrate on the events that occurred with the man-eating lines and avoid my personal opinion of Patterson, especially in regards to his apparent views on race and trophy hunting in general. Like he, like I said, wanted to kill everything. <laughs> so John Henry Patterson arrived in Mombasa on the east coast of Africa on March 1st, 1898, and immediately fell in love with the staggering beauty of the untamed land. After spending almost a week on Mombasa awaiting further travelling instructions, Patterson was excited to receive an official letter instructing him to make his way to Savo, roughly 200 kilometres from the coast, and take over construction of the line at that location as it had just been reached by the railhead. So like I said, 100 kilometres on either side. He was there, build the bridge, make it happen when they finally meet in the middle. So he's the head engineer. He's the he's top the dog. Tippy top he's the dog man. boss. Yes. After sunrise the next morning, Patterson began his journey on a special train, accompanied by Mr. Anderson, the superintendent of works, and Dr. McCulloch, the principal medical officer. So, like in the movie. Oh, the guy, the, the worst scene, isn't it? Yeah. I don't What's think wrong it's... with your face, bro? <laughs> I'd like to say that scene scars me. That was the. Ah, <laughs> uh, they wouldn't have had. <laughs> he wouldn't have, they wouldn't have scarred, though, because he, he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Somebody stitch him up. <laughs> the doctor's like goes over and feels his pulse, even though it's like he's gone. Why is he dead though? He's just got a few scratches. No spoilers. <laughs> Patterson was enchanted by this new and wonderful place, describing the beautifully wooded park-like country as glorious. After thirty kilometers of travel on the train, the landscape began to transform as they entered the Taru Desert. The greens of Mombasa became a dry wilderness, spotted with stunted trees and dust-covered shrubs. Patterson became excited by the growing number of animals that he could be spotted hiding in the undergrowth. Smell that fear, Joe. He also noticed some of the indigenous people of the desert, the Wa-Naika, or the children of the wilderness. They sound sick. I want to know more about them, but he doesn't touch them. He's like, the children of the wilderness. They're grown as adults. Wa-Naika. Yeah. After a further 130 kilometers, the desert ended, which was marked only by the change in the color of the dust. As the train sped along, Patterson and his companions spied an ostrich running parallel to the track (laughs) as if it were racing them. At once, Dr. McCulloch retrieved his rifle and shot the bird dead. Race this. (laughs) The men then proceeded to signal the train conductor to stop and reverse back to their prize, which they hauled on board. Really? You're kidding. So they made the train. They were like, oh, excuse me. Like typical like white privilege, like stop the train. Everything's like people are like literally like climbed upon each other to sit on this train (laughs) and they're just like. Can you go back and get that? They probably wanted to like, yeah, let's go see the ostrich. They, no, they just, they reversed the train back to the ostrich and they just pulled it on board. That's, this is what I'm getting at. They reckon, they recommenced their journey, now traveling around mountains and lush wooded areas, eventually arriving at Savo at dusk. Patterson slept that night in a little dilapidated palm tree hut that had been built and abandoned by an unknown previous traveler. He lay awake on a narrow cot in the doorless hut, staring at the twinkling stars through a hole in the roof above. He knew little of what horrors awaited him in Savo, and if he had realised at that very moment two savage man-eating lions were prowling the camps in search of their next easy kill, he probably wouldn't have slept as soundly as he did. So he doesn't know anything about this yet? No, no one has said shit to him. He's just gotten there at night time. He's like, oh, I love it. So he's, so he's there now? Yep, he's in his hut. He's at the trailhead. So there's a station there, so obviously the train can only take him as far as that. He's like, cool. Like, I'm here to do work. He'd be a shit boss. He, would, he was like... I couldn't say that. He he seems like a real like straighty 180. Like I wouldn't have a beer with him. You know what I mean? Mm. But anyway. <laughs> Unless you were being mauled. <laughs> That's like me. I could have like a shit boss, but as long as I have a beer with him, I'm like, he's okay. He's all like, right. Terrible, terrible standards. Patterson rose early the next morning, eager to inspect his new surroundings. 
He was surrounded by a thick and impenetrable forest. He climbed a nearby hill to gain a better vantage point and found that the landscape as far as he could see was populated with low stunted trees, dense undergrowth, and what he referred to as wait a bit thorns. So if you got like hooked on them, you had to pick yourself out. The only cleared land was the narrow track that had been cut in for the railway. Like they'd cut the land either side of the railway. So trees and a lot of gone. Yeah, so the, the rest was just forest other than where like the riverbank was. So nearby was the fast-flowing Savo River where Pattinson would oversee the construction of the railway bridge. Once satisfied with his reconnaissance mission, Patterson returned to his hut and began preparations for his stay. His workers unpacked his provisions and pitched him a tent in a small clearing close by to where he'd slept the previous night, not too far from the main camp where around a thousand Indian workmen were situated. I'm not even going to tell you what he called them. Indian men, we're on with that. No, yeah, like just workmen. (laughs) So So it's different from the movie then, because in the movie, didn't they use like the native... No, so they had like a mixture of people. So the Indian men are like, so what happened was the British government put out kind of like a contract and was like, we've got works going on in Africa. We'll pay you X amount of money to go over and work on it. So I think India was under British reign at the time. And so was this part of Africa. So they paid them. It's like a contractor. It's like you getting contracted to go and work in Mongolia. Okay. So it was that sort of vibe. So they contracted. They said there's work there. There's lots of work if you're a mason or if you're this, that, or if you're just like a laborer, head on over and we'll pay you for your time over there. So it was... Yeah. So, and... But there were also some African men that he referred to as his boys. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds pretty cool to (laughs) you. With the boys. (laughs) No, Josh, not like that. (laughs) Me and the boys are going to go around. No. (laughs) Come boys, build a bridge. <laughs> Let's go build a bridge, yeah. boys. Like his entourage. Yeah, no. Yeah. So it wasn't Defin- like that. Definitely. Right, okay. No. They were, it was kind of a mixture, but it was mainly Indian guys of different, like Hindu and... Yeah. And each, they had like, almost like, I don't know if you would say clans or like tribes or whatever, but they had groups and each group in each camp that worked on different parts of the railway had like a leading hand and a supervisor. But it was more than just like, that's my boss. It was kind of like, I don't know, it was just like, Maybe like it was like their bosses of their 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 family or their construction company or whatever, and that was their leader who that who they viewed as like. And they all reported back to. So yeah, so there yeah. was like ranks, but he was Patterson was the tippy top. So Patterson created a survey of what needed to be done, sent a requisition for labor, tools, and materials back to headquarters in Kalindi. Oh, sorry, Kil- Kilindini, and in a short time, workmen and supplies began pouring in. In what seemed like no time at all, construction was underway and the noise of the tools and the jovial men working away could be heard throughout the Savo district. So he kind of, he describes it as a district. So the area around Savo where all the different camps are scattered, district. However, this didn't last long as soon construction was interrupted in an unforeseen and terrifying way. Oh, this is cool. For nine months, two bloodthirsty lions with an unrelenting appetite for human flesh began an intermittent feeding frenzy within the vicinity of Savo. The creature's reign of terror peaked in December 1898 when their unusual eating habits forced the shutdown of construction for three weeks. So for that before, so how many, you said a thousand people were there or more, Mm 2,000, for something like that to force a shutdown is pretty full on, like pretty. Could you imagine if that was Australia, they'd they'd just be like, work. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't do his take There's a lion there, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) How does this affect you? Like I I did my job, I'll hide it. (laughs) I need to go to HR. This isn't right. (laughs) At first, the lions were not always victorious in their hunt for victims, but as time passed, the beasts grew fearless in their endeavours for a successful hunt. 
Their unusual actions and stalking methods were so well-timed and successful, it almost seemed supernatural, and the workmen surmised they were not animals at all, but demons in the form of Ghosts lions. in the darkness. Oh. Oh. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> so what was unusual about them was that they hunted together. For two male lions to, yeah, to hunt and to hunt together simultaneously, like at the same time. And also the thing about the Savo lions is like they're massive there and they're maneless. Yeah, I did hear they don't. So they have don't any have like the big yeah. lion mane. Really? They have like a little bit. They've yeah. got like a goatee, like a goatee fluff. Would you, you say? ever seen like when, like when young lion, ones. lions go through like adolescence, or whatever? Yeah, that you see them start to grow out a bit. Oh, that's what I kind that's of. That's what they were like. Simba on the log but when he's shaking his head, going, oh, "Yeah." Matata. Yeah. He starts changing. That's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like the goatee yeah, and the, no, and the soul it. patch in the top. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, but and they're also notoriously massive. Like they're big animals. They um, also showed no fear. So they, by the end of it, they did not give a fuck. Like they used to get victims and like carry them away. By the end, they're just like, I'm going to eat outside your tent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that's legit. Well, they didn't care. They weren't scared by anything. <laughs> Walk in, anyone going to eat this guy? Yeah. Nope. Hello. They also, yeah. they also didn't eat. Always eat their victims. So sometimes they would just. So it's more of like a sport thing. Kind of. This is kind of disputed here and there, but he writes that in his book. He talks about how not the victims weren't always consumed. Like mm. taken away and not eaten. Yeah. And then they wouldn't, like, or they might be, like, just a little bit eaten and he would assume they would come back to eat the victim. Like, sometimes he's a bit of a dick. Like, sometimes someone would die and he, like, their family would be like, I want to bury him and send him home. And he'd be like, no, I need to hunt this lion. Leave it out. I need oh, a yeah. trap. In case they just, like, leave this dude's heads out in case, like, the lion comes back. And they never, they very rarely came back to mm-hmm. I'm something. I'm full. That- <laughs> I'm famished. Just one, I come back for a little bite. A little bit. <laughs> they also, like avoided capture for so long like nine months nine months they avoided capture they didn't act in any way like they would they would have like trained people that were used to dealing with lions and they just did not act in a manner like they they would have like 10 cows covered in blood like everything everything you could think of to draw them out and then they would go to a camp like four miles away and pick someone off there they would come and but they would the next morning they would see that the lions had like kind of maybe sussed it out a little bit and just left yeah it's just like this is not fun. <laughs> but that's, but that's hey, was... something doesn't seem right here, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And Why other... is it blood? I didn't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> the other strange thing was they ate men and often, like oh, they there was cattle, there was everything. Like there was two thousand guys there. They had to have cattle and everything to feed them. Yeah, Mainly, would have like everything. goats had a lot of yeah. donkeys that were transporting stuff. Easily edible. Didn't give a fuck. They would only really go for them if they had tried to go for a, um, a person and they were unsuccessful. Then they would be like, ah, fuck it, I'll eat the donkey. <laughs> like, that's what the vibe was. So they always went for men first. Yeah, it might become a, a habit yeah. and they got a taste for it. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. And we are, when you think about it, we are not very good when it comes to... I think it is, again, a bit of a bear situation. So I think, we'll talk about it later, but like why they were potentially using humans as a source of food, but it's still... I don't know. It was like 2,000 people and when you think about it, they got nothing to protect themselves. We're easy prey if you're sitting out in the middle yeah, of nowhere. You're not- but why the fuck would you rather eat a person as opposed to a juicy donkey ass? I don't know, the ass would probably put up more of a fight. <laughs> probably try and kick the thing. Yeah. A goat. Uh, I got my switchblade. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's annoying. <laughs> Patterson had only been in Savo for a few days when he'd first heard of the two lions having been spotted prowling the area. Shortly after they were first spotted, a few workmen mysteriously disappeared. Patterson was informed they had been dragged away under the cover of darkness and devoured by the monstrous lions. 
At first, he didn't believe the stories of the man-eaters. And, and you wouldn't. You, no. you got, if you rocked up and you got told that story, you'd be like... <laughs> he literally patted them on the head and was like, they're there. <laughs> they, he constantly like referred to them as like cowards. Stay away from those like, berries. He just thought those guys were playing hooky. <laughs> he, just, he literally treated them like children. He's like, you're having a nightmare. Go back to bed. Like, <laughs> what do you of, think, boys? <laughs> yeah. like, nah, nah, nah. So he instead thought it was more likely the missing men, who both had amassed a large sum of savings, had fallen victim to foul play at the hands of some of the more unscrupulous workers. And boy, there were some. Patterson's opinion soon changed when he was awoken at sunrise by one of his leading hands, who informed him a strong and powerful man known as Ungan Singh had been dragged from his tent in the middle of the night and eaten by a lion. Was he the one who said, I get it with my bare hands? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> the lion's like, that's a challenge. These hands aren't so bad. <laughs> Patterson immediately went to inspect the location of the apparent abduction. Like I said, Patterson was like mad hot for hunting and any and all activities that involved animals, he personally handled all situations involving drops, any Drops notable. building a bridge, Lit- something no, needs killing. You read this book and I'm like, did he fucking do anything? <laughs> yeah, other than it sounds he, like. He legitimately, like anything to do with any interaction with an animal, he was like, I'm handling it. Upon arriving at the campsite, it was clear to Patterson a lion was in fact responsible for the missing man. He could clearly see the paw prints and claw marks made from a lion circling the tent, as well as two lines in the dirt made by the heels of the victim as he was dragged away into the darkness. Oh. Yeah, right. So they've said this is happening. He's like, bullshit. And yeah, then they've gone like, to the tent. and this there's such a waste he's of like, my time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was wrong. Don't <laughs> no, show weakness in front of me. I'm not me. saying you're right. But <laughs> the victim had shared the tent with several other workmen, one of which witnessed the horrific oh, event. imagine that. Mm-mm. He described in detail how, at around midnight, the lion's head suddenly entered the open oh, doors of the T-Rex. Oh, yeah, it is. And oh. seized Ungan Singh by the throat. So, oh, by the throat? Yeah, closest oh. rule again. If you yeah. <laughs> closest, it's going to happen to you. Ungan Singh cried out, Choro, which means let go. I immediately thought of, like, donut churro stick. Oh, yeah. But no, it means let go. And wrapped his arms around the lion's neck, and then he was gone. The remaining occupants. Let go of it, you idiot! <laughs> the remaining occupants of the tent laid in terrified silence as they helplessly listened to their workmate outside in the night, desperately trying to free himself from the jaws of the beast. But imagine that like, you just woke up to that. That's a shock in itself. And then a shock to be like, what do you do? There was probably someone that's like, oh, I was making all that fucking work. And they're like, dude, show some respect. He's getting eaten. <laughs> he's getting, <laughs> he's getting dragged out. He's like saying, let go. And Liza's just like, I don't speak food. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, no English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After, li- after listening to the witness's statement, Patterson set out in an attempt to track the animal, accompanied by a Captain Haslam. Haslam. And this is what he does. Like, throughout the whole book, he's like, Captain Haslam came with me. And I'm like, you never mentioned him. He gives no backstories to who see. that person is. He's, he's here like, now. yeah, this dude came with me. Like, and he's okay. a captain. You. Yeah. You're captain now. <laughs> You're captain. He wants to put he, a bow like, cap no, no, on no, him. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me. So, accompanied by a Captain Haslam, who just happened to be staying in Sava at the time, Pattinson. Pattinson, this isn't Twilight. Patterson easily followed the blood trail and drag marks. The lion appeared to have stopped several times before it began consuming its meal. Pools of blood showed the lion had stopped several times along the trail to indulge in what would soon to be recognised as the man-eater's favourite pastime, licking the skin off their victims to get to the fresh blood. So he described, like this is like, he described the future bodies that were also found as the lions would often lick parts of the skin off and then the flesh underneath it would be like dried out as if they'd sucked the blood out of it. Like wow. that was their favourite thing was to drink the that's blood. How they, that's how they eat their, or well, anything, is it? It's just a lion thing. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, you could imagine what a lion's tongue's like because you've had like a cat lick mm. you before and it's really like sandpapery kind of. It's 
awful. Yeah. Even we had a Manx cat. No, we had a Manx cat, Momo. And his tongue was like 10 times worse than any other cat. I, like it was actually painful when he yeah. hit you. So I can't imagine what a lion would be. He was, it would be like- Your a, cat was yeah. eating you. Angry. <laughs> Just know. prepping this girl. He died getting a fight with a brown snake, so- Oh. Rest in peace. Yeah, he attacked dad. That was the cat that attacked dad. He was riding past on his motorbike and the cat sprung out of the <laughs> he did he sprung out of the grass and hit dad's leg and then sprung back in again. <laughs> Sounds like he kinda had it coming. Yeah. yeah. Brown snake. <laughs> like, look a little bit, you're not gonna lie. But yeah, so it showed that kind of mm. blood sucking. They liked it. It was yummy. That just makes it creepier. Mm. This is why a God, lot I of the this. like a lot of the workers were like demon. Mm. He was like, please shut up. Patterson was like not there. <laughs> Gary was licked to death. <laughs> It didn't take long for the pair to reach the final resting place of Ungan Singh's mutilated body. The ground surrounding the corpse was soaked in blood and fragments of wet flesh and bone glistened under the light of the rising sun. Ungan Singh's head remained untouched for the most part except for the large punctures left by the lion's fangs when it first seized him. It was, however, completely unattached from the body and laid a few feet away, eyes wide open. It was like watching him eat him. Please don't touch that. Don't touch my face. <laughs> Whatever you do, leave my face. He's got, let go. <laughs> this is still saying churro. Churro, let go. The surrounding plant life had been significantly disturbed and Patterson could tell two lions had fought for possession of the corpse. He described it as the most gruesome sight he'd ever witnessed. And this dude was like killing multiple people in the army and stuff. And yeah, he he'd like, been, he didn't comp- yeah. yeah, he'd seen some He's shit. He's done things. Yep. The captain and Patterson buried the remains under large rocks as best they could and returned to camp with the head as a means to be identified by the medical officer. You carry it. No, you carry it. <laughs> You're captain now. <laughs> captain. <laughs> At the time, they had no idea how close he would come to sharing Ungan Singh's fate. That night, Patterson climbed a tree situated above the tent where the attack took place, hoping the lions would return for another victim. Okay, I bet the guys in the tent weren't open and it was coming back. Dude, he doesn't clarify whether the tent was empty or not. <laughs> Go to sleep. Imagine you see him climbing up a tree outside your tent. No, nah, it's all good, guys. It's all cool. No, I did kind of get the vibe that Patterson, like he felt for the victims, but he also kind of like maybe just a smidge viewed them as somewhat dispensable. Like just a teeny tiny bit, like a little smidge. Hey guys, can you just cut, cut yourselves a little bit? It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> I feel so bad. This is like slander. I think from all accounts, everyone that ever spoke about him was like, he was just like the best guy. Like he was such a kind man. He was like everything, but it just, it, it just got me. So a bunch of terrified workmen followed Patterson up a tree and begged him to allow them to stay up there with him. No, he, I need you down in the tent. Yeah. He literally was like, I am a generous God. The rest of the workmen stayed in their tents, but ensured no doors remained open. Cause that can was going to stop it. Right. Patterson took his 303 and a 12 bore shotgun into the tree with him and settled in for the night. Jeez, he's double packing. Mm. He didn't fuck around. No, he's not. Hardly any time had passed when ominous roars began filling the night, slowly growing closer and closer to oh, his no. position. For about two hours, an anxious quiet replaced the roars as lions always stalk their prey in complete silence. So imagine, like, no, you hear the roars and, and you know they're closer, there somewhere. Closer, closer. But then you stop. don't know what camp they're at either because they roar as they get close to, like, the railway line and then they stop. And you're just like, fuck. He's like, shit. He turns his head. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Dual wielding guns. <laughs> All of a sudden, a huge commotion of frenzied cries could be heard emanating from a camp about 800 meters away. So it oh, wasn't the one he was at. So a bit under a cage. Yeah. Patterson immediately knew the man eaters had seized a victim there and doubted they would return again that night. The next morning, Patterson learned one of the animals had invaded a tent at the railhead camp and carried away a sleeping worker. Like the previous night, Patterson believed the lion may return. 
He did this time and time again. He just was like, he'll probably come back because he knows there's mm. food there. So he goes and he sets up like a vigil and there. This line like, just seems to be one step ahead every time. Yeah. And he stays up all night because he knows he can have a sleep in because he's actually not doing anything is but the hunting fu- is lions. He, but so then how is the bridge getting built? Exactly. That's what I mean. Bridge, but I the bridge he, gets built. He's got, he's got, got a piece for of paper now. with a crayon and drew a bridge <laughs> and handed it over. I'm sure you're working out. I like this. <laughs> No way. When the when the dude showed up to inspect it, he just had them hold it in a way that looked like, <laughs> looked like there yeah. was a bridge. And the British dude was like, "Yes, very fine work," because he very probably good. was he was promoted from nepotism and had no idea what he was talking about either. Yeah, true. He was like, "This is good work." Now, where are the hookers? <laughs> <laughs> Captain, show him. <laughs> we only have men in this camp. <laughs> show me the prettiest. <laughs> Did I say woman? <laughs> One of the dudes I work with, Drew, who's really funny, He, when I came back to work, he goes to me, do you know what, Brie? Because I cut all my hair off. He goes, you're the prettiest man in this office. <laughs> I was like, go fuck yourself. And I quit. Not on the yeah. spot. Not because of him. He was beautiful. My big special guy. After the sun had set, he nervously made the short trek back to the attack site. He was followed by two men, one carrying a bright lamp and another tugging along a goat. When he did that, he was kind of like, this is kind of dumb. Like he, and he, in the future, he kind of vowed to be wherever he needed to be before the sun went down. Because once night came, that was like this, that was like a, a, a switch was flipped. That's when the lines are out. You don't go anywhere at night. You don't do anything oh, well, at if night. if he wants to find them. We just got to get there early. So we got to knock off early. You know what I mean? Early yeah. Mark. Oh, it sounds like he's got a lot of excuses not to work. Early Mark, who wants to carry my lamp? Me, 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 me. <laughs> Patterson had hoped to use the goat both as bait and as a distraction from consuming another helpless man. So he was like, maybe he'll That's come nice. and try and eat him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's trying. He's changing. A light rain began as Patterson climbed the tree close by to the tent and settled in for the night. Despite being soaked and incredibly uncomfortable, he stayed in the tree hoping to bring down the beast. All hopes were dashed when around midnight, Patterson heard the familiar screams arising from somewhere in the darkness not too far away. Once again, the lions had escaped him and claimed another victim. So this is not... That's three nights in a row. Nightly. The way the book reads is at first it's like annoyance and yeah. then it's like he he has a personal vendetta with them. Bad kitty. <laughs> <laughs> at the time of the initial attack, the various camps and workmen were scattered along the different construction areas, giving the lions around 12 kilometres either side of the Savo to use as hunting grounds. So that's how far and away all these different camps were scattered. How does one man try to, especially when they're going to somewhere new each time, you'd just be, mm-hmm. you'd have no hope. No. So would there be, I mean, it's getting pretty serious and you're probably about to tell us, but mm-hmm. shouldn't they start going, right, let's get some guys in how to use a gun in a tree at every sort of a lot of them 500 metres or something? A lot of them had, like, I don't know if right now, but a lot of them had like what they considered watchmen. I'll talk about it, but there were guns and stuff. And <laughs> Here's a steak knife. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had guns, like they had rifles. So each night they would select a different camp to invade and they were almost always successful. Part of the reason this story became so popular was because of the completely unlion-like behaviour the man-eaters exhibited. Patterson would often lay out the most irresistible baits to lure the lions in and the lions, seemingly aware of the trap, would always opt to choose a different victim from a different nearby camp. Yeah. He had briefly considered hunting them by day, but the jungle surrounding Savo was too dense and dangerous. In the wilderness, the lions would have the upper hand and the hunter could quickly become the hunted. Plus, like, he had a fucking day job. He got shit to do. <clears throat> he was too busy sleeping anyway. <laughs> Despite this, Patterson devoted any spare time he had to exploring the area, hoping he may get lucky and stumble across the man-eaters', the man-eaters lair. So he was also looking for their den, because apparently that was common. They so that's had a thing. Den, I think Because so. I never... The only thing I knew from that movie was they had that den. But mm-hmm. when you watch all documentaries and that, you never really thought of lines of the den, did you? They're always you just out in the open. Lion King? 
You know, Pride Rock? <laughs> you know the most famous movie ever about lions? They also had a monkey that held up a baby lion, guys. That happens. Okay. <laughs> I am so far away. You're the baboon. After each new victim was claimed, he was able to successfully trace the lines to the riverbanks where he would lose their tracks to the rocky ground. So in, there was a little bit of like a part of the book where he's like, not all of the accidents, like not all of the attacks were super serious. Sometimes they were really funny and, and we all got a good laugh out of the amusement. And it was like one time he tried to attack a person and he accidentally got the donkey instead and the donkey was had some tins on it and the tins chased the kitty away because it got stuck on his paws. Ha ha ha. And then another time a man, he invaded because it carried off his mattress instead of him, but he died later in mysterious causes when he got lost in the jungle. Like just weird shit. That's not fucking funny. What do you mean when he got lost in the jungle? He went looking for his mattress. Yeah. Uh, God, uncomfortable. He, apparently he was walking somewhere and he decided to take a shortcut and he was never seen or heard from again. So he like talks about these funny stories and then he's just like, yeah, but then this really dark thing happened. And I'm like, mm, this isn't good. So the lions obviously didn't take kindly to being laughed at. And in no time at all, they transitioned into unstoppable killing machines. They quickly lost any fear they'd once had for humans and became almost obsessive in their stalking habits. So once- it gets worse than every night. Yep. Once they had selected a victim, they would stop at nothing to reach them. There was no fence, tent, noise or fire that was able to keep them at bay and their presence slowly descended Savo into a terrified madness. So that's bad. No? Like even fire isn't keeping them mm-hmm. away. Don't give a f- they didn't care about anything. As this was all happening, Patterson's tent was still pitched in an open clearing with no form of protection. It doesn't matter. He's not sleeping in it. One night he... <laughs> He's got a shotgun at the entrance. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> One night he invited medical officer Dr. Rose to stay with him. They were awoken around midnight by a commotion. Don't do it, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just out by that tree? Just sit down. Don't move. Do you you want just this little bit of blood? Just it's fine. Just hold this bucket of blood. It's okay. He goes. I'll give you a tip. Take your glasses off. (laughs) They're not going to (laughs) help. No. So they were awoken around midnight by a commotion outside the tent. Someone or something seemed to be tumbling over the tent ropes. They took a lantern outside but couldn't see anything. Upon further inspection the next morning, fresh lion tracks could clearly be seen in the dirt surrounding the tent. They sound kind of clever. Why did they take him? I don't know. It's it's almost like they're going to make a movie about us. (laughs) We've got to leave him for last. He's got one gun. There's two of them. Oh, he's double packing. The way he wrote about it was he did make it sound very personal. Like this was like a personal thing. But it would be fear. Mm -hmm. Because it happened for so long. He feels like he's losing. Yes. Dr. Dr. Patterson. Patterson (laughs) immediately arranged to relocate his sleeping quarters. He moved into a hut with Dr. Brock, the new medical officer in charge of the Savo district. Patterson and Dr. Brock built a thick and high thorn fence known as a boma around their new residence, big enough to also accommodate the sleeping quarters of their servants. For added, but he didn't say servants. He said, my boys. boys. Well, also, we also had enough left over for other people. <laughs> I guess you live tonight too. Here's one thorn. Protect yourself. <laughs> He's giving a string of it. For added safety, a bright fire was always kept burning hotly throughout the night. Night often signaled a general uneasiness throughout the Savo area. Once the light of the day vanished, Patterson would sit out on the veranda of his hut with a rifle. He would become too anxious to allow himself to even write a letter for fear one of the man-eaters would scale the boma and attack him during his moment of distraction. So it became like <laughs> almost like PTSD. Like it was like... But it sounds like it's warranted. It's yeah, not oh an yeah. actual no, it is. condition. <laughs> I think it's... In the letter. Hello, my... Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Gar! <laughs> they, were, they were known. <laughs> and, like, then, and then you writing, Hello, dear friend. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> well, the new writing was... Wrong. Rob, Rob, just Rob. A print. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, her, Rob. A smiley face. 
So they they were said that like it was said that Patterson and Doctor Brock would literally they would just like sit out on the veranda with their rifles, just staring into the darkness, waiting th- to be. Honestly, like, I think I'd be doing the same thing. I'd just squint, and it was so dark there, like it would just get dark, dark, dark. I don't know, is that different anywhere in the world? Is the darkness the same? I'm not sure. Apparently, it was really dark. I, I th- you think so. <laughs> Maybe it was just cloudier, so the moon couldn't shine. The moon wasn't. I am the we'll moon. Go with that. <laughs> I am the moon. One time, the sun came behind my back and it licked me. I am the moon. <laughs> On a few occasions, they had found signs the next morning that the lions had come right up to the fence but couldn't make their way through. All the other camps in the area were also surrounded by bomers, but unfortunately, they didn't appear to be all that effective. With painful frequency, the lions would jump over or break through the boma fences, dragging an unfortunate workman back into the night, leaving <laughs> and through the fences too. Ah, the fences hurt more Dude. than the lions. No, but like some, yeah, sometimes they would get caught on the fences and they die slowly oh. on the fence because the lion gave up trying to pull them through, and they're just like in that much pain. How do you untangle Imagine someone getting from caught it? Caught on mm-hmm. it and the lions like tugging you and ripping like while you're yeah. getting caught in the fence. Uh, <laughs> pretty much all the time, there would always be like clothing and flesh left behind on the yeah. floor. Yeah, also like, like they did really in the bad. movie too. Like they left that bit. Of yeah. So the lions would leave the victims' companions to listen as as they devoured their workmate. So well, no one ever like manned up. I know it's easy to say where we're sitting, but no, it wasn't a group of twenty people that went grab that, grab this, grab. Let's go get them. No, no. it was right. pitch black. The it's a fucking lion. Like these lions, are like four foot high. That's true. And like nine feet long, and they had so they had no weapons. Pitch black. It's fucking. It didn't care. Like you couldn't be like grab the the, the tin can and bang it together and scare it away. Like a no, cat. I'm talking weapons of some sort. Grab every like go grab fifty people torches. With you know, fire, let's go. The late 1800s, they don't have torches. I'll get, have I, get, I know one photo will get the guy getting dragged off. He's like, I think you're making very good points right now. <laughs> Let, well, I'll tell you, yeah, there's a reason why they didn't do that. So, unlike Patterson and the medical charges, the Indian workers didn't seem overly stressed by the lines at first. There were roughly two to 3,000 men spread over a wide area, so each worker seemed to think that their chances of being selected as the line's next meal wasn't very high. So that's why there wasn't like the general uproar just yet. Oh, like, yeah, like, the right chances of that happening to me are so slim. And then it happens to you and you're like, fuck. It's one in 3,000. <laughs> the next day it's two in 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> I want to change my mind. And at that stage as well, one line would go in and get it and then bring it back out and then they'd both eat it. So it was only the one line hunting at the time. But that changed too. This attitude soon changed when the majority of the workmen moved on to the continue the railway and only 200 men were left behind to assist Patterson with the completion of the bridge. So the majority of the men were making that railway as we, as we spoke mm. about. And once they got to where the bridge was, they moved on and continued the railway to, to the other, on the other side of the river. While and, and kept going. Yeah, while two, only 200 were left behind. Can you imagine oh, me like... Now the you're gonna, <laughs> shortened up a bit. You're going to stay, you're going to stay, you're going to... Oh, you're going to stay. Damn it. Yeah. Now we need to do something. Yeah. Um, we should probably do something about that. Do we have that. a union here? <laughs> Naturally, the remaining workers wanted to camp together, but this ultimately provided the man-eaters with a more focused hunting ground. The unrelenting attack caused regular panics and took all Patterson's power of persuasion to keep the men from abandoning the works. So already now they're like, I want to go home. I'll be like, very s- persuasive. Oh. Yeah. Show you a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> the men hated him. They tried to murder him on multiple occasions. Like, they planned it together. Why is that? I thought he was a mad dog. I thought everyone was uh, like... He, the, he talks about it in the book. There's, like, whole chapters on it where he would, like, walk past and a bunch of them would just be, like, relaxing under a tree, not realising he was coming by. And he'd be like, the fuck he is doing? And they'd, oh, pop up. And he'd sack one of them because they were all really close or whatever. 
they would get the shits with that. Uh. Or like, because as well, there were like different religions. They would get into squabbles and like literally try to kill each other. And he was constantly having to go and break up fights. And then you'd get like leaders being like, you're responsible for why the lions are attacking us. And like legit one day they tried to kill him in the quarry and he got, this was like the kind of arrogance. Like he got warned by his, he had like his boys, like his personal assistants or whatever. Bodyguards. Or like even mem- some of them liked him because he was like a likable dude and they'd come to him and be like, look, they're planning to kill you. And he was like, oh, let the children try. <laughs> they can try. And they literally like cornered him in a quarry. Like the, the dude told him the plan. He was like, whatever. Literally went in exactly where he thought that they were going to do it. And they all surrounded him with weapons, like sticks and rocks and shit. And it just so happened that one, none, none, of, none of them wanted to be the first one to, to attack him. And then someone <laughs> fell over and that gave him the distraction that he needed to be like, if you all just put your weapons down. Like he was very persuasive. He was like, if you, no one will get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And then literally the next day they tried to do it again. And he fed up with it. He called the cops in. Like there was like a police, the, the army basically came in and arrested a whole heap of them. And then he was like, everyone else, I am a generous God and you can stay. And then they, they hated him, but they didn't just really ima- try to kill him They could him have put it in the movie, him just take his sunglasses off, turn around and just be like, so who's it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. And they're all shaking with the weapons. <laughs> <laughs> but legitimately, like he tried it. Like he was like so arrogant. He didn't care. He was like, they won't do it. And they tried to kill him multiple times. But like, like I say, in the end, it's like justified arrogance. Like they didn't, did they? Like he was so it's cool like gave him about a bit it. Of just- distraction from the lines yeah. anyway he's but like don't try it i have the high ground it was, <laughs> yeah. it was sort of this um kind of weird relationship where they both despised him because he was like the boss and white dude and treated them like they were children but they also like looked at him for protection sort of thing so whenever they had issues they'd always go to him or like he was supposed to protect them from the lines. oh so, so like, now you don't want to kill me <laughs> <laughs> and why didn't you go to the general while they're there so can i borrow your men for a sec yeah <laughs> there's two man eating lions <laughs> Uh, within the camps, fires were kept burning all night long and night watchmen were posted to clatter tin cans as deterrents. So they'd have like a dude awake with a rope and on the rope they'd have like a tin can and he'd just be lying there like pulling the rope and the rope would be hanging from the tree and it would just like dangle and jingle and that that was like their <laughs> idea of protection. So that's all in the movie a little bit too when they yes. had that little... Um, the jail, little jail thing they were in. Oh, yeah. The- was that when they were in there? And they had the cans rattle on that yeah. while... Yeah. It, they the movie is surprisingly like similar to the book. Yeah, well, they've added bits and pieces of what they've done. They didn't, obviously. yeah, they didn't really veer too far away from it. And a lot of the events that happened in the movie, like it did actually happen. It might have been more dramatized for the movie, but it it happened. Like the trap was a real yeah. thing that happened. Despite the added measure, the lion's reign of terror prevailed, and the men continued to disappear. The most secure enclosure was the hospital camp that was left behind when the rail had moved along. It was located about a kilometer from the main camp. So the hospital just kind of stayed where it was. Hospitals are for helping people. (laughs) (laughs) So it was protected by a thick thick boma and considered impenetrable. So they were like, it's it's cool to stay that far away. Like you've got a good setup. We're sweet. Imagine like rolling your ankle that day. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a splinter. (laughs) (laughs) But like always, the lines could not be stopped and one broke through the fence attacking a medical assistant. During the struggle, the assistant fell back on boxes containing glass medical supplies, sending them smashing down and scaring the animal into another part of the enclosure. So it was startled and was like, oh, and, and just left because it was like a really loud, unexpected noise. Here the line was more fruitful, tearing through the roof of a tent where eight patients were recovering. Two were badly injured by the line's rough entrance, while a third was grabbed and dragged off through the boma. 
The next morning, the hospital was swiftly moved closer to the main camp with all the patients relocated before nightfall. So the move happened. They set up a new hospital. Everything was sweet. They did it in the day. Patterson was aware that lines often entered recently deserted camps, so he decided to stake out the old empty hospital camp, hoping for the opportunity to kill one of the men. Jeez, he got some balls on him. Yeah. Like all other hunting endeavours, Patterson's ended in the middle of the night when he heard an uproar coming from the new hospital enclosure. Oh, this is so like... No, I don't understand how he hasn't learned his lesson. He's just like, oh, well, normally lions will attack the latest places. It's just like, bro, they're not acting like normal lions. Yeah. You know this. Sometimes they would. Like, sometimes he would stake out, say... He would do like he'd try bait. So if they hadn't attacked for a night or two, he would get like a goat and tie it up and wait for them to come. And then they'd go back to that camp again. Like, so, it, but very little. They didn't do it often and they never did it while he was there. I wonder there. how many times he considered using a person. He's like, nothing else is working. Well, just because These people mean nothing to me. Just because he didn't write about it didn't no. mean he didn't do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> when the sun rose, Patterson hurried to the side of the attack. Several men relayed what they had witnessed the previous night. Unbeknownst to the occupants of the hospital enclosure, one of the man-eaters had leapt clean over the fence of thorns and was creeping around the camp. So they didn't know it was inside the camp and they're just like, do you want to play cards? <laughs> yes. The hospital, <laughs> the hospital water carrier, or Behisti, had been laying on the floor of the tent with his head facing the centre and his feet touching the outer canvas. The lion was able to manoeuvre its head under the canvas, latching onto the behisti's foot. In an act of desperation, the behisti clung onto a heavy wooden box in an attempt to prevent the lion from dragging him away. This didn't slow the lion down, and the behisti had to abandon the box when he lost his grip. Once clear of the tent, the beast sprang on the man, tearing out his throat. The lion then seized the behisti in his jaws and began dragging him back and forth along the boma looking for a weak spot. So picture a cat with a mouse. Like he was just dragging him backwards and forwards looking, trying to get out. When he found one, the lion launched through the fence, leaving the behisti's torn clothing and flesh on the thorns as he went. Dr. Brock and Patterson tracked the lion with ease and swiftly stumbled upon the remains about 100 metres away in the thick bush. There wasn't much left of the behisti, only a skull, a couple of larger bones, a part of the hand with a few fingers still attached. A silver ring found on one of the fingers and a few of the behisti's teeth were mailed back to his widow in India. That was like a traditional thing to do. So they haven't gone far with him really. So that's how ballsy they are too. They're like, I'm just going to pull up here and eat him. Well, why wouldn't you if you kept doing it and nothing's happened to you sort of thing? Once again, the hospital was relocated and surrounded with a stronger and thicker boma. So, like, why not just do this to begin with? (laughs) Like, do you think they just do it and be like, yeah, that'll do? Like, why not put all of the effort in in the first go and then avoid this? So, this is where if you were working and you fell over and you got a compound fracture, you'd be like, no, it's fine. I don't want to go to the hospital. Just walk, not, just dig yourself a hole and just lay in the hole with a piece of tin over you. I'm not here. <laughs> Patterson arranged to have a covered goods wagon parked in an advantageous position alongside the most recently evacuated hospital site. He organised for Dr. Brock to join him that night in the wagon, hoping the lines would return and he could finally put an end to the brutal attacks. Patterson left a couple of tents still erect in the enclosure and also acquired some cattle in an attempt to lure the lines in. The man-eaters had been spotted in several locations that afternoon. They had unsuccessfully tried to seize a worker who had been walking along the tracks, but he was able to evade them by climbing a nearby tree. They then made an appearance near the Savo train station. Imagine seeing a lion on like the platform of a train station. How fucking cr- just crazy would that look though, hey? <laughs> Lions just, don't like, catch trains. One ticket to London. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are so easy. It's got like a top hat on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you 18? <laughs> 
A few workmen then spotted one of the lions stalking Dr. Brock around dusk as he was leaving the hospital. So he was leaving the hospital to go and meet Patterson to go to the old hospital enclosure Mm. to hunt the lion. The lion was stalking him while he was doing that. Patterson and Brock ate their dinner and then made their way to the goods wagon, which was about 800 metres from their sleeping quarters. That's kind of like how far away it was from their, like their house or wherever they would. And this is still daylight, is it? Dusk, it's night time now. No, they settled. Idiots. Well, that's what he does remark that they shouldn't have left it that late. They settled into the wagon around 10 o'clock, leaving the top half of the rear of the wagon completely open. They faced their abandoned tents, which they weren't even able to make out the outline of due to how dark the night was. So, they could so that's fuck, how dark it is. They could see fucking nothing in front yeah, of them. Right like they'd put their hand out and they're like, what is that? That's why I don't understand. Is it dark? Like, is that a. Th- I guess you know what. It's but if there's no, a, there's no light. I mean, it's not dark, near a town or city. Yes, do you know what there's, I mean? There's, there's no, none of that kind of. Over there, you'd be relying did, on the moon. Didn't yeah. they name one of these lines of darkness? They look at each other. Oh my god! <laughs> they shoot the dark. <laughs> it was, we got him. <laughs> they probably would have. <laughs> they would have had a better chance then doing that. For a few hours, the men were engulfed by an oppressive silence until somewhere to their right, they heard the sound of a dry twig snapping. Oh, this is cool. There was something moving about in the darkness. Next, they heard a dull thud as if something heavy had landed over the boma. The cattle grew uneasy and could be heard shuffling about nervously. Again, complete silence fell over the abandoned camp. Patterson whispered to Brock that he wished to leave the wagon and instead lay down on the ground alongside it as he believed he would be in a better position if the line were to pass by. Brock persuaded him not to leave the wagon, and it was fortunate Patterson did not, as at that moment one of the man-eaters was stalking them. Patterson thought he could see something slinking towards them, but the night was so devoid of light he wasn't sure if he could trust his eyes. He whispered to Brock, asking if he saw anything, while also keeping his rifle trained on the dark object he thought he could see. Just shoot them, yeah, well, I guess well, Brock did not answer. He too thought he could see something, but wasn't sure enough to give a positive answer and have Patterson shooting randomly into the night. Well, because so, he might hit someone who's out there with man-eating lions. That was my first thought. That maybe he might have scared the lion off if it was in there, and he's just shooting. Like if you know what I mean, they're no, like, I do yeah, know what you mean, yeah. we're so close to getting it. Let's not fuck it up. Yeah. Like let's be sure if we're going to do it. There was a few moments of silence, and then suddenly a huge beast launched at them. Patterson exclaimed, the lion, and the two men pulled their triggers simultaneously, stopping the man-eater from landing in the wagon. Blinded by the flash and startled by the noise, the massive animal veered away from the wagon. If the men hadn't been so alert, there is no doubt in their minds that the lion would have made off with one of them. Like, yeah, he was well, so, sure. So, we're, so, sorry, I was I was thinking like out of the movie where it's got the bars or something not like that, that on not, it. So, where is yet. it open again at the top? So, it's like a goods wagon, right? So, it's a wagon. Yeah, and it's got so out the, the back so is yeah, open. Sorry, they're firing from out the back. So you know how it's got like the the flap from like the, yeah, the thing right. that pulls up from the bottom. And yes, I understand now. Because I was picturing the same thing as yours. Picturing yeah. the, that frustrating scene where the bars are where they just get no. like, ding, ding, ding. It's like bad shots. Yeah, the land. Think of it like a land cruiser. The mm. bottom flap was up. The top one was open. Yeah, right. On. Yeah, so I would have jumped in the back and just grabbed one of them. Yeah, yeah right or maybe killed both of them in there. I could like, yeah, I don't know. Why? I, well, no one knows what I would do. Did anyone interview the lion? <laughs> Maybe we'll jump in and kiss it on top of its head and then just run off. <laughs> yeah, I would have taken both of them. The next, mo- the next morning, they located Brock's bullet embedded in the sand right by a paw print. It could only have missed the line by no more than a few inches. Patterson's bullet could not be found. Uh, so during this time, you know, I told about talked to you about them trying to kill Patterson. Like the workers, they mm. were like, yeah. They thought he was somehow responsible for these attacks. Kind of like in the movie, they're like, you're a devil. You're responsible. Well, and I'm s- the racist one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. You guys are just as bad. 
Patterson and Dr. Brock's late night wagon party must have left an impression on the man eaters as they avoided the Savo area for a considerable, considerable amount of time. Patterson used his time wisely and constructed a trap in case the lions decided to return. So this was the trap like out of the movie. What they did was he used like um like railroad sleepers mm. and iron bars and he created essentially like a box and then he split the box using iron bars into two compartments. So one of the compartments in the back, the idea was people with guns would sit in that compartment and then separating it from the other compartment was iron bars that were three inches apart. Like that's how far apart they were. And then there was a door in the back that was kind of think of it like, you know, when you go to like in town, like the jewelers or whatever, and they bring that thing down. Oh, yeah. Like when they shut. Yeah. It was like that, but it was made from trains and bars. So what would happen is the line would come into the, that compartment, trigger the contraption, the door would shut behind it. And then those dudes would be safe in the other compartment mm. with a gun to shoot the And line. it can't go anywhere. It They've can't got, leave now. It's like fish in a barrel kind of thing. Pretty much, yeah. So he he's so smart, this guy. Like he just fuck, he in, just fuck, thought that <laughs> up in his head and then used whatever tools he had, which wasn't many, and just made it. He was like... Okay. <laughs> he, he built it out of the stuff he was supposed <laughs> yeah. to build the bridge out of. The guys are like, if you had to just put that effort into the bridge, if you built me, could just leave. Everyone could leave. That was that was what he had built though. That's mm. what he spent his time doing. <laughs> but it was made out of pretty hefty stuff, like yeah, the expensive yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe he just did it to make himself feel better, and like maybe the workers felt felt better when they felt like someone was taking it seriously and trying to do something about it. When Patterson completed the trap, he erected a tent over it and built an incredibly strong boma around it, with one small entryway at the door of the device being left open. For the first couple of nights, Patterson sat up in the incredibly uncomfortable trap, getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. But it would be some months... (laughs) It's kind of funny. (laughs) The mosquitoes are the real problem. Now I need a smaller trap. (laughs) (laughs) You can die from malaria and stuff from them, pretty sure. They're they're pretty dangerous themselves. But it would be some months before Savo would play host to the man-eaters again. Other areas were experiencing their presence. They would often hear were like rumors, not no so much rumors, but they'd get news that they were like, I don't know, like twenty kilometers away. There was um, so a, these are people seeing the lines too, though, and then yeah, the same technique, everything. There was a town or like a, a district called um, Angamani, and it was about sixteen kilometers away, and they had a few people taken away, like carried away. Oh, so the that. same deal. Yeah, but they weren't related to Savo, so the lines had kind of moved on a little bit. Maybe they went on holidays, I don't know. But Maybe they wanted to eat at a different restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> the workers in Savo breathed a collective sigh of relief as the general consensus was the lines had moved on for good. This feeling of security didn't last long and once again the familiar shrieks of terror echoed through oh, the this night. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it, like you kind of read it and you're just like, fuck and kill them or like I'm over this. It's the same thing over and over again, just kill them already. <laughs> He's just like, God, I'm sick of people dying. <laughs> that's why I, That's why my group mentality, like let's just make a pack that day. Everyone gets a weapon. Feel someone full of poison. Yeah. <laughs> Load them up. Right Load back. them up with dynamite. <laughs> Who's going to light the fuse? No, it has the fuse. It's one of the push pump things. A little light. (laughs) (laughs) He drops it at old buddy's tent, Patterson's tent, and runs away. God damn it. The demons had returned. 
It had been a hot night and quite a few men had opted to sleep outside their tent in order to stay cool. I'd be sweating like a little bitch <laughs> in that tent. But it had been quite some time now. Like I think it was like a month or two and they disappeared and, and they were like, oh, they're gone. And, and yeah, no. Around midnight, the alarm was raised and one of the men discovered one of the lines forcing its way through the boma. So it wasn't mm. even in yet and it was so trying like to get coming. in. They had watchmen, yep. The men immediately began launching stick stones and firebrands towards the animal. This didn't deter the line oh, at imagine all. Imagine that. It burst through the boma and launched itself at the group of terrified men, snatching one up and dragging him back through the boma. Can you imagine? Like, it's just, it's like the velociraptor that's like, you know, the one that's yeah. under the door. Guys, guys, imagine stop. the group of guys just pushing each other, like, just <laughs> trying to get out of the road. Take him. Red Rover, Red Rover, Matt, please yeah. cross over. Just like, fucking not. That would be so scary, hey. Outside the fence... Outside the fence of thorns, the second man-eater joined the first. They had both become so indifferent to humans, they didn't even bother to carry away their victim. Well, like, and, ask. <laughs> and began devouring him within 25 metres of the tent. So, so he just care. started doing it there. Yeah, like, right outside. They, he would drag them from outside the enclosure, and right by the fence, they'd eat them. And you just have to sit there and listen to him. Maybe but you takeaway pro- was too expensive. They just started <laughs> eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patterson followed his regular routine of setting himself up in a tree near the previous night's his attack. His regular routine of failing. Right. That's why they call it a rut. <laughs> <laughs> what else would you do though? Like, were you just like, yeah, randomly pick here and then they attack that area? If I heard yeah. some guys were sleeping out at night, I'd be like, I'll come join you. Yeah, I would 100%. I'd be like, yeah. I'm sleeping in the tent wherever Patterson is because he ain't killing <laughs> The lines aren't going near Patterson. They instead attacked another camp three kilometers away. Due to absence of a Due to the absence of the attacks, the men had again spread out along the railway line, leaving themselves more vulnerable to attack. Right. So why is the camp... If there's only down a couple hundred, right? Why are the camps so spread out like that? Because they're all working along the railway doing different jobs. Mm. In sections. In sections of the railway. Right. So you don't... So it's not just a bridge now. This yeah. is also working up and down still. Yes, yeah, so this is like three kilometres away. So you'd have to finish your job and then have time to walk three kilometres back. To I'm Patterson's telling you, camp. I'm, I'm going to be going walking back, to three yeah, I'm going to Patterson's. But then you also open yourself up, like they talked about before, that dude getting taken while he was trying while oh, he was walking true. on the tracks. Track, yeah. They'd force their way through the bombers in complete silence, snatching up another victim. So he, like Patterson could not, like he could not even, like he wrote in the book, like even until this day, he couldn't understand how they were getting through the bombers. Like the bombers, the thorns are like razor blades. It's like razor wire. And the lions were coming through, and they never made a single noise. Like no one heard them. They just they. He was like how that he, like, he kind of started to believe that maybe they are demons. Yeah, you would. And he, the other guys are probably thinking, I've yeah. never seen Patterson and the lions in the same room. <laughs> Shapeshifter, you <laughs> <laughs> <The> white devil. <laughs> For the next week, Patterson sat up all night near camps he thought likely to be attacked to no avail. The what lion, a surprise. <laughs> the lions either saw him and moved on or he just wasn't choosing the right places as the lions continued claiming new victims night after night. So did he talk about how he thought they sort of saw him as a th- threat, somewhat of a threat? I or? think he talked that he hypothesised that sh- they must be seeing me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why else... He's like, put because he put himself out there a bit more than them sometimes. But he'd always be up trees and stuff. They're lines, like they could sense you. Are you yeah, upwind, exactly. Downwind, like what? Did it, has but anyone then, been but, taken from a tree? No, but here's my th- attention. <laughs> here's my thing though. If they could smell him, why did they not? Why did they smell him as a threat and not as a potential victim? Is this after he's? Ha- Remember they did come for him though, and that true. And he, he probably hit one or nicked one, and I they're like, "Oh, like- this guy hurts." <laughs> yeah, Ouch. gun mean bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
The doctor missed, though. (laughs) (laughs) The constant night vigils were exhausting Patterson, but he felt the men naturally looked to him for protection. He wrote, In the whole of my life, I have never experienced anything more nerve-shaking than to hear the deep roars growing gradually nearer and nearer and to know that one of us was doomed to be their victim before morning dawned. Yeah. Once they reached the vicinity of the camps, the roars completely ceased and we knew they were stalking for their prey. Because you know someone's going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the <a> vibe. <laughs> Shouts would then pass from camp to camp. Ata, Beware, brothers, the devil is coming. Oh, so they're all like, he's coming. Yeah. But the Say warning- that three times fast. <laughs> I'm not saying it again. <laughs> But the warning cries would prove of no avail and sooner or later agonizing shrieks would break the silence and another man would be missing from roll call the next morning. Oh, man. Yeah. Patterson was extremely disappointed that the lines continued to elude him night after night. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Very disappointed. He wouldn't be used to it though because he'd be used to getting uh-huh. kills everywhere, doing it his own way. Everywhere he goes, every animal he sees taken down. He was ex- these kitties aren't going yeah. down. So and he was, ain't no ostrich. He was good at everything he did as well. He was mm. like one of those arsy people. Like he was efficient and he was good and he was respected and he just could not understand why he couldn't kill them. He had almost started to believe that the lions may have in fact been devils living in a supernatural existence. Patterson constantly went into the wilderness searching for the lion's lair. So he was always looking of a day, like he was looking for, not for them. He didn't want to come across them. He wanted to find their lair because then he'd have a better chance of hunting them. Well, more, he knows they're going to be back there at some point yeah. at least. And he constantly had visitors coming in and out, like army officers from the civil army, like the navy, the, the army army. They all spent some time in Savo trying to kill it as well. Like really? The, like the word had spread about these problem lions and people were coming in like for their chance of popping them and stuff. And like he would go into the wilderness, but that was obviously really dangerous. Like you could, st- it was so it was thick forest. Like you could get eaten, and or you'd stumble upon them. And clever what, girl, a hundred percent. Or you shoot one, and I'm like, what a lovely bullet! And they just charge you anyway. It's like it's a big <laughs> animal. You need dynamite to kill it. <laughs> Patterson vividly remembered a night when the lions dragged their victim nearby to devour him. He could clearly hear the crunching of the workman's bones and the dreadful purrs of the lions filling the air. And obviously, I wanted to say, well, there it is. Go out and get it eaten right there. But like you said, pitch black. You cannot see. No. A thing. And then it's more. There's two of them as well. So if you go out trying to kill one, it's either going to charge you. The other one will get you. Like it's he. You just have to sit and listen to it. He would. He like he would fire some shots off. So he'd try to scare them away mm. and they didn't give a shit. Like he would oh, fire yeah. in the direction. So no matter what, they'd be going off. straight. There's no hesitation. They're, they're just No, they're not scared gone. of anything. One night, a bunch of men were frightened off by a lion and they asked to stay in, in his we- boma. <laughs> <laughs> Can we sleep with you? Can we just come in? <laughs> and he was like, oh, of course, like that's fine. He, he like let them in or whatever. And they came in and he was like kind of counting them. They went, what the hell? Where's the eighth one of you guys? And they are like, oh, he wasn't feeling well. So he left him in the tent. Patterson's so, like, I'm, I'm, I'll be back. No, <laughs> I'm feeling much better now. Patterson, no, Patterson made them all like, he's a, he's about us. Like he made them all get lanterns and weapons and follow him back to their campsite where they left that poor dude because he was like, you can't leave your workmate alone. And when they got there, the dude had died of fright. He was dead. The lions didn't take him or nothing. They had gotten another victim from another camp. But, but there were poor di- prints in that? Or yeah, just- yeah. The lion had been in there and they just left. They were scared because the lions were roaring and stuff. I, I don't know if the lion, sorry, I don't know if the lion had been in the enclosure, but it was like trying to get in and the men left. And he was so scared because they just left him by himself in the tent and he was sick. He died. That just reminds me, remember that movie Congo? 
Yeah. Where he's, it was like the killer apes, and then he saw the good ape, and he died from fright because he. Yeah. Because he was just so scared. That's yeah. what it just reminds. That's what all I'm picturing. That's what it was like. You don't know. Maybe he died of his illness. You know what I mean? But he rec- he he made the men. He was like naughty. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and he made them all go back there like, oh, fuck, mum. <laughs> made them all go back there to pick up their, their guy that he, they left behind. Like, he was yeah. a respectable dude. He was like, you don't do that shit. And he was already Sounds dead. Sounds very cool. Well, He's, where's your bait? Do you... <clears throat> yeah, the sick guy. He's, that's probably yeah. what he was like. Why didn't you tell me there was bait? <laughs> <laughs> that's what he was mad about. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, it's kind of like he was, he did some, like, gross stuff. But at the same time, like, he was like a... He was like a cool kid. I don't know. That's why I'm so conflicted. Sounds very bipolar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The more time passed, the worse the attacks become. Usually only one line would attempt an attack while the other patiently waited outside the boma. However, their tactics had evolved and now both man-eaters were entering the enclosures together and each seizing a victim. A victim each. Uh Uh-huh. One each. One victim had been snagged on a boma, and when the lion couldn't drag him free, he abandoned the mauled body. The man could be heard moaning for some time before succumbing to his wounds in the thorn bush. Mm-hmm. Within a few days of this, another attack was launched on the largest camp in the area. While feasting on their victim, not too far from the enclosure, an inspector, Mr. Dalgans, fired roughly 50 shots in their direction. Dalgan was certain he had made contact with one of the animals, so in the morning he and Patterson set out to find them. So he was like, sure, he's like, I've hit one of them. Look at these tracks. Like, it's limping. It's got a broken limb. We should go into the jungle after it, right? And Patterson's like, I don't know about this, but okay. And he got all excited. They started following these tracks and they got into the jungle and then they they could hear the lions. Like, they were like, fuck, they're right in front of us. So they cautiously pushed on um, and they thought what they, they saw what they thought was a lion cub, but it was actually the remains of the guy. It was the dead guy. And the alliance had a, had abandoned it when they approached. And what they had thought was like the broken limb of the lion was actually the man. They'd broken his arm and he only had like two stiff fingers left. And it was the fingers that were dragging oh. that had made an impression that seemed like the lion was injured. But it was really just the way that the corpse oh, had been okay. dragging. So he got what all have we done? So, so old mate shot one of the guys. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. I'm pretty sure I got the lion. <laughs> the man-eaters' unrelenting, brutal attacks and their subsequent ability to remain undetected proved too much for even the bravest of men. When Dalgan and Patterson returned from their hunt, they were met with a swarm of panicked workers. No longer wanting to be food for the devils, the men stopped the next passing train, threw their possessions on board anywhere they could fit it, climbed on and got the fuck out of Sarva. I do not blame them one bit. No, no way. And he was like, cowards. <laughs> That's what Patterson was like. <laughs> I, you. I genu- you sleep in the tent. <laughs> I genuinely believe like he was just like, you're a coward. Like, cause he's so brave. You know mm. what I mean? Like, that's not cowardly. That's fucking smart, bro. Like, yeah. get out of there. It's too much for me. Like- yeah. After the workers fled, construction was completely halted for the next three weeks, while those brave enough to stay spent all their time building lion-proof dwellings. Like, they built, like, their up water tanks. Like, they dug pits in tents so that they would put stuff over the top of so the lion couldn't get them. And one night during an attack, a tree was swarmed by so many men that it actually fell over and came down because <laughs> too many dudes tried to climb the tree. <laughs> but the lions were cl- that were close by. But the lions had already secured a victim and they like just watched as these people fell. Like they were eating, like dinner and a show kind you of You seeing this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Patterson had written to the district officer, Mr. Whitehead, requesting assistance in the in the hunt for the man eaters. So I assume Mr. Whitehead is like Michael Douglas's character, yeah? The hunter. Yes. The actual proper hunter. Yeah. 
Mr. Whitehead replied accepting the invite and instructed Patterson he would be arriving in the afternoon on December 2nd. Patterson sends his servant, which is his boy. Captain. I send my boy. It's so horrible. So he sends this guy to go to the station to pick up Whitehead. Mm. And the guy gets there and next minute he's back at the Boma freaking out saying to Patterson, fuck me, there was a massive line there. Like it, it chased me and everything. I'm not going back out there. And Patterson was like, oh, you like go back. And he walked back with him and there was no line there. And he was like, you've seen shit or whatever. The train just never came. And he was like, oh, I must have... Or he didn't get off the train or some shit. And he was like, oh, I must have got the dates wrong. So he went back to his house and he had dinner. And during dinner, he heard like a couple of shots popping off, which was normal because the guys would often shoot off their rifles around dusk to try and scare anything away. He then went and sat up a tree and he was like trying to find these lions and he could hear them feeding on a victim, but he thought it was weird because he didn't hear the usual cries Mm. from the camp that he usually did. But he's like, they're fucking eating something. So in the morning, Patterson exited his post to retrieve the remains of the suspected worker when he was startled by a disheveled and anxious-looking Mr. Whitehead. Patterson was shocked to see him and asked why he didn't make dinner. Whitehead explained the train was extremely late and it was dark when he and his companion, Abdullah, finally arrived. Oh, Abdullah. (laughs) (laughs) They began their journey to Patterson's camp with Abdullah holding a lantern, walking behind Whitehead. When they were almost halfway there... One of the man-eaters launched at them from an incline, knocking Whitehead to the ground and clawing at his back. Luckily, Whitehead was packing heat and instantly fired. The flash and noise was enough to distract the beast and Whitehead was able to escape the lion's grasp. Unfortunately, it then trained its attention on Abdullah. Goodbye, Abdullah. <laughs> You've been a good servant. <laughs> Swiftly seizing him in the jaw- with its jaws and disappearing into the night. Whitehead fired upon the line as it retreated with no effect. Abdullah was the unfortunate victim whom Patterson had heard the animals devouring that night. That same day on December 3rd, the superintendent of police arrived from the coast with a horde of Indian soldiers to assist in hunting down the man. Hell yeah, now we're getting yeah, somewhere. Let's yeah. So there was, let's go team human. So they were renowned at this stage. Like fucking everyone had heard about him. Like there were letters sent back to the British government and everything. Like they were talking about him in parliament or some shit. So that night, two armed soldiers were stationed in the trap Patterson had built. All was quiet until around 9pm when Patterson heard the door of the trap come crashing down. So you remember the trap, the yes. idea of the trap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I just have here, Patterson was in the smiley face. So he was like, like he was happy. He was like, we've fucking got this yeah. thing now. The soldiers had a lamp burning inside their compartment and were, and were plied with plenty of ammunition. They'd been given strict orders to immediately fire upon the line if it entered the trap. However, when the lion realised it was trapped, it began thrashing about, slamming its enormous weight against the iron bars, separating it from the soldiers. Naturally, they shit themselves and were too frightened to fire. Separating as in it was right in front of them. Yep, so he mm. was slamming its body into the bars that was separating just, it from the soldiers. I can just soldiers. imagine it just going psycho. Yeah, like it was just like, it was like a cat. You trap them anywhere. Like I, I can't see him going, steady. Yeah. Take a nice head <laughs> I love how they had to get strict orders to fire on it. Are <laughs> yeah. we killing this thing or what? <laughs> They didn't fire a single shot until another soldier, whose post was nearby, started shouting encouragement at them. You can do it! You cut his fucking head off! (laughs) (laughs) That's what he's like. He's like, go boys, shoot, shoot it, kill it! It's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I get you. They fired over 20 shots from the safety of their compartment and only succeeded in blowing out one of the bars in the trap door. Oh, for God's sake. So it allowed the line to escape. Well, they missed the line and shot an exit Patterson had no idea how they could not have killed the line or at least wounded it. Like, they wounded it. It was like a slight wound with a little bit of blood, but 
it was that close to them that they could have stuck their muzzles through and just sh- so and yeah. So why it. didn't they? How many were I'm there? I'm guessing again? they were just shitting themselves yeah. that much. It was the They'd be shaking. Because imagine it's like from me to you away, and there's just the bars in between us, and they got like a room each. Yeah. And there's lines going. Yeah, it was true. small. It was small. Like it wasn't even half as big as you should have built a bigger palace. <laughs> <laughs> but they also <laughs> I can't get my rifle. Up. I can't fit me dynamite through the bars. <laughs> Patterson also <laughs> talked, and the police superintendent also talked about how they were shooting, like they were standing, like kind of like to the side and behind them, and they were shooting at the line, and and Patterson was ducking from bullets because it was like hitting the bars and ricocheting, and ricocheting off at yeah. weird angles because the bars were remember they're only three inches apart. Yeah. So he was like, "Fuck me!" Like Jeez, twenty three inches. Died. That's not much to no. try and. Well, no one would get in it unless that was the case. Yeah, I would have had a... Yeah. yeah. So because the blood that was left behind from the wound, they were able to track the lion into the wilderness. And for three days, the soldiers and him would go out regularly and try and track these lions because there was a bunch of them. Never found them. Never saw them. Nothing. So... And then they left. So a couple of... <laughs> Please come back. A couple of days later, Patterson was intercepted, leaving his hut by a Swahili man shouting, Simba, Simba. And I was like, I've seen Lion King. I know what that means. He's means- come to help. <laughs> no, it means lion. No, it means he's come. To- it's a friendly one that's <laughs> yeah. come to help. Sorry. The lions had attempted to take a man by the works near the riverbank, but settled with a donkey instead. Patterson grabbed a heavy rifle that had been left for him by the police superintendent and set off after the lions. He tracked them to a dense thicket where he had an idea. He returned to the camp and instructed the workmen to bring the noisiest items they had and return to the dense jungle with him. So he made them form. <laughs> oh, sorry. They went and got a woman. <laughs> Noise. Okay, sorry. Not good. <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm not touching them. All of a sudden, I'm sweating here. You should be. I'm not, I'm not doing I'm, I'm above this. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so he made them form a half circle. <laughs> You're fucking such a piece of shit. And there it is. Yeah. Now continue. <laughs> he made them form a half circle around the thicket and he told the leader to, to make, he said, give me some time to get around the other side of the thicket and get into a good position. And then you guys start making noise to scare the line towards me. So give me some time to get there. When you think I might be there, start making noise. So just as he had found like this good position. He got settled in just as he did that. They started making this noise. So he was where he thought the line was coming through. They're making this noise. And one of the lines appeared about 12 meters from the partially concealed Patterson who was lying in the dirt. So he's laying down on his tummy in the dirt. This line comes out 12 meters from him. He's like, I've fucking got you now. When Patterson lined the beast up with his rifle, it suddenly became very aware of his presence and growled savagely. Patterson aimed at its head and pulled the trigger. A dull snap emanated from the rifle. It misfired. Oh, for oh. God's sake! So remember, this was the weapon that <laughs> this was the weapon that was left by the police, like the superintendent of police. It wasn't his, and he'd never used oh, it. He should have grabbed. <laughs> but it was a double-barreled weapon. But in the moment, because the lion turned to him, he com- he lowered the weapon because he's like, "Fuck!" It misfired. He completely forgot to <laughs> to shoot the other barrel at it. <laughs> I'm just imagining a click, and then the lion looks at him. He just points it at. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, the lion was so distracted by all the noise it bolted into the jungle again. Patterson again took another shot at the beast as it was slipping out of view. This time, the rifle fired and a growl from the lion told Patterson he had managed to hit it. So he shot the other barrel. <laughs> Just run away. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> he tracked the blood and again it took him to the rocks. And he was super mad about the gun. He inspected it and something was wrong with like the... 
hammer is that yeah, yeah the hammer yeah, yeah. It, it had a dint in it or something so it didn't fire that's why it didn't fire Patterson saw the donkey was only half eaten apparently they eat animals from the tail to the head and they'd only just got to his juicy booty and oh, they, oh. so they interrupted like it's dinner so he decided to stake out the area in case they returned that night the only problem was there were no trees to sit up in so he promptly made this wooden perch so think of like, a, you know, like a sawhorse that you use yeah. in the garage. So it had mm. four poles for feet that lent together and then there was a plank put on top of it. So it was about 12 feet tall with like a little thin plank. There was only enough room for like one man to sit up there. Exactly mm. like in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was some kind of Indian invention or something. Yeah, Indian. it was called a Mac Macken or something. Yeah, yeah. You mean Native American? No, like an actual oh, like Indian, Indian, like yeah, the Indian right workers the country, that were yeah. there. Okay, well, they yeah, they made him this like kind of cool perch that he could sit up on in case the lions come back. Mm. So he got the donkey carcass and he dragged it over and he, he got wires and he actually wired it to a stump. So if they did come back, they couldn't drag the carcass away from him. Yeah. This donkey must have been popping, let me tell you. Because at sundown, Patterson took up his position alone in the perch. The nights were pitch black and the silence enveloped the area once the last of the light was gone. Is the donkey still alive or is it dead? It's dead. No, we said it was eaten. I thought it just took a couple of chunks out of no, no, ass and sort of no, alive while they're dragging. They kill. They will. They don't. Uh, lions don't usually eat stuff alive. They no, kill it first. Yeah. And then ah, they eat right. it. After spending countless nights hunting the man eaters, Patterson was exhausted and he slipped into a dreamlike state. He was startled out of it when he heard a twig snap below. Patterson listened intently. He could hear the rustling of a large body forcing its way through the bushes below him. A long, drawn-out, deep sigh of hunger echoed from the bushes below him. It was the man-eaters. You know how you hear them yeah. do that, ooh, of a night? Mm. That was that. This that. is the scene that gave me anxiety. <laughs> yeah, with the, the was, monkey. Wasn't there an yes. Oh, it, it was, was a, a monkey, monkey, not an owl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wakes him up. The rustling continued and Patterson was soon met with a menacing growl. The lion was aware of his presence. Patterson began to feel disappointed as he was sure the lions would now move on. But the hunt took an unexpected turn, and instead of the lions going after the donkey carcass or leaving the area completely, they turned their attention to Patterson and began stalking him. For about two hours, one of the lions terrified Patterson by creeping around his wooden perch, slowly inching closer and closer. Patterson was sure at any moment the lion would rush him, because the structure wasn't built for that either. Like He was like, it's only 12 foot tall, it's like flimsy as shit. It was literally Mm. just meant for him to have somewhere kind of safe to shoot from he they didn't anticipate like the trees or whatever they didn't anticipate the lion would try and get him yeah from there. his plot armor just ran out yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that means but i assume it's world of warcraft it's not good <laughs> he began to grow increasingly uncomfortable and regretted the idea wholeheartedly patterson was on high alert and kept and keeping perfectly still when around midnight something launched into the back of his head he was so startled it's and terrified he was so startled and terrified he almost fell from his seat for a moment he thought the lion had finally sprung upon him but he soon realized that it was nothing more than a confused owl that had struck him so the owl thought he was a branch and tried to land on him (laughs) (laughs) the jolt in which patterson gave when he hit by the owl was answered by a menacing growl below patterson could just make out the outline of a man-eater creeping slowly towards him he could barely see him but it was enough for patterson to line up the animal and before he could come any closer he pulled the trigger the sound of the shot was followed by an incredible roar and patterson watched as the line began thrashing about below patterson continued to fire in the direction the line that's it give it all you got rolling about he just fucking unloaded fill it full riddle it with bullets yeah patterson was convinced he had finally bagged one of the devils who had plagued the camp for so long the workmen had heard the the beast's death play out and inquisitively sang out from the nearby camp Patterson assured them he was okay and informed them he had been successful in killing one of the man-eaters. 
A huge cheer erupted through the scattered camps. Soon Patterson witnessed scores of twinkling lights moving towards him. The men of the camp ran towards him, loudly bashing tins together and blowing horns. They reached Patterson's perch and began throwing themselves on the ground beneath him, yelling, Mabarak, Mabarak, which he believed meant Blessed One or Saviour. I reckon it meant, you're next, you're next. <laughs> the wrong one. About yeah. time, about time. Yeah. Yeah, well, fi- finally. Yes, yes, I am a god, yes. yes. Good, good one, dipshit. <laughs> Patterson wouldn't allow a search for the lion's body to take place until daylight in case his mate was lurking in the bushes close by and in case maybe he wasn't like fully, fully dead and launched at them and or something. you just pissed him off. Mm-hmm. Patterson and the men triumphantly returned to camp where the Swahili and other indigenous Africans celebrated with wild dancing until dawn. Patterson could barely contain himself and set out just before first light. That he, as well in his head, he could not believe like it was dead. Like in his head, he's like, a it, it spoiled me so many times. Mm, I this bet has been going on for so I, long. Yeah, I bet it's still alive. Patterson had followed the tracks of the dead lion no more than a few steps when he rounded a bush and was shocked to see a monstrous lion directly in front of him, seemingly alive and positioned to pounce. On closer inspection, it was obvious the animal was dead. So oh, it was, so it was dead in, in a way that looked like it was... Yeah, he was like, fuck! Oh, <laughs> I got me there, guy. <laughs> The man from the camp joined the scene and upon seeing the dead lion, they lifted Patterson onto their shoulders once again and began cheering and singing. <laughs> you can go home now. He's like, yes, yes. I was like, did this really happen? <laughs> once the appreciation ceremony was over, Patterson inspected his kill and found the two effective bullets. One close behind the left shoulder had entered the heart and the other in a hind leg. So he only shot it, ended up shooting him twice. The beast was massive, measuring nine feet and eight inches from nose to tail tip and standing three feet, nine inches high. Nine foot? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that again? From oh. nose to tail yeah, tip, nine, it's nine, oh, nine foot. That's freaking God. long. The news of the death spread far and wide. Telegrams of congratulations began arriving, as did groups of people coming to see the skin themselves. The I don't se- think the steak knife was going to cut it with that one. <laughs> get it? Then yeah, we get it. <laughs> But seriously, it wouldn't have worked. (laughs) (laughs) The second line wasted no time making his presence painfully obvious to the celebrating workmen. Only a few nights had passed before the grieving beast attempted to enter the permanent way inspector's hut. It paced back and forth along his veranda, unsuccessfully looking for a point of entry. It instead sat down and devoured two of the inspector's goats. So the inspector deadass thought it was like a drunk workman. And was like, get out of here. And was like yelling at him. I was like, fuck you, man, I'll eat your goats. <laughs> when he yelled at him to go away, like the lion took off with the goats and they, he took off with like a rail, which had like three other goats chained to it because they're all chained to a rail. So he just dragged this inspector's whole like goat cult <laughs> away. <laughs> oh, the next morning, accompanied by a few workmen, Patterson set out in search of the lion. The rail and goat trail was easy to follow. After about 400 metres, they located the lion still consuming the dead goat. So he wounded it and he tracked it again and it again disappeared. Patterson witnessed no sign of the surviving man-eater for 10 days and was beginning to hope he was succumbed to these wounds in the jungle. The workers were still taking necessary precautions because they knew that it was going to come back. Like they just like last time, they're like, it's going to come back. Mm. I don't reckon it's just wounded. And on the 27th of December, the man eater returned. The workers that slept in a tree near Patterson's hut were like, there's a lion trying to get us. Like it's trying to get us. It's trying to get us. And he was kind of like, oh, well, (laughs) he was like, what do you want me to do? It's nighttime. I can't just pop off shot sort of thing. And yeah, so he said, I'll, I'll go and, and he, he shot off a few rounds like into the sky trying to scare it off and it did actually work. Like I think it started to respect the gun now. And <laughs> <laughs> the, next, respect. the next day he found a bunch of prints circling the trees. The following night, Patterson and his assistant Mahina climbed the tree where the workers had been terrorised the night before and waited. 
The night was clear and the moon gave off enough light for Patterson to comfortably see his surroundings. He kept first watch until 2am when he awoke Mahina to take over. Patterson slept for around an hour when he abruptly awoke with a feeling that something was amiss. He conferred with Mahina, who had been alert and assured him he could see nothing out of the ordinary. So Mahina's like, no, it's sweet. Go back to sleep, sweetie. You had a bad dream. Like, it's okay. Patterson still felt uneasy. As he laid back down, he scanned the area around him and spied movement in some bushes a little ways away. He stared intently at the spot for a few moments. It was the man-eater, and it appeared to be carefully stalking them. Patterson watched on in amazement as the lion cautiously crept closer and closer to their tree. Not wanting to lose this opportunity, Patterson waited for the beast to get nearer, and when it was about 15 metres away, he fired his 303 directly at its chest. He heard the bullet hit its intended target, but it did not knock the lion down. The man-eater growled savagely before attempting a hasty retreat. Patterson unloaded three more bullets in the lion's direction as it attempted its escape. It once again produced a fierce growl, indicating to Patterson the third bullet had successfully landed. The next morning, Patterson enlisted the help of an indigenous tracker to accompany him and Mahina on their search for the wounded lion. They'd only made it 400 metres when a sinister growl indicated they had come upon the beast. Patterson peered through the bushes and spied the angry man-eater snarling in his direction. So it knew they were there and mm, it was yeah. just like, and, But obviously it can't disappear like it did before because it's injured. And it's not night time. <laughs> and it's not night, yeah. Yeah, well, he, he had effectively broken its hind leg when he had shot it back at the camp. Yeah. So it wasn't going anywhere. Patterson took aim and fired. The beast instantly charged at the three men. Patterson fired again, knocking him over, but the lion rose without hesitation and charged as quickly as he could in his wounded state. A third shot seemed to have no effect, so Patterson reached out to Mahina for the martini carbine he'd been carrying. The only problem was Mahina was no longer there, as he and the tracker had bolted to the nearest tree. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> he was literally I'm out. like, he goes out, he's like, martini, carbine, Mahina. Mahina! <laughs> Please tell me he pulls out like a knife and goes, I'm going to have to do this myself. It's like, it's like off the grey, starts wrapping yeah. it up. Mahina's like, fuck you, I'm out of here. <laughs> Patterson had no choice but to follow them. Luckily, one of the previous shot bullets had broken the man-eater's hind leg, effectively slowing it down. Patterson just reached the tree in time, and when the lion realised he was too late, he made for the bushes. Patterson seized the carbine from Mahina and fired put yeah. a bullet in Mahina. <laughs> <laughs> and fired a single bullet into the lion. Foolishly, Patterson descended from the tree to inspect the lion when it lurched forward at him. So he fired it, the lion dropped, and he was like, I'm gonna get you now. Mm. The lion was not dead, and it lurched at him. Patterson unloaded a bullet into the chest and head, and the man eater didn't rise again. Like the previous successful hunt, the men of the camp followed the sound of the gunfire to the dramatic scene. So the workers got there and they started beating the shit out of the carcass. And Patterson had to like restrain them. Like yeah. he had to stop them from destroying hey, Whoa, 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 whoa. That's my trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Where was all this enthusiasm earlier? <laughs> Upon examining the carcass, Patterson found six bullet holes. This line measured nine foot six inches from nose to tail and stood three feet and 11 Holy and a half inches shit. tall. So it was half an inch shy, foot, four foot tall. And also both lines, their pelt or whatever was littered with... Just deep thorn. It would like, be, yeah, like from coming thorn through. Wounds. Like they would, it was completely scarred up from all the thorns. Like it was just ripped up. That's freaking. He crazy. ripped that shit up. <laughs> Patterson earned the nickname Devil Killer. And as before, people traveled from far and wide to see the second dead man eater. The workers who had once fled in terror from fear of being eaten returned and the construction was able to proceed. Patterson was presented with a silver bowl type trophy from his workers. There was a long appreciative inscription that it was like so dramatic. I couldn't, I was not including it at all. It was like, you're the best. Like it was so bad. Wait, honestly, after what I've just heard and what he done, 
He deserved oh, no, a silver he, balls. No, but it was, they were, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, they were just like so appreciative and said, in presenting you, it, and the inscription ended with, in presenting you with this bowl, we all add our prayers to your long life, happiness and prosperity. We shall forever remain your faithful servants. And they like hated him. They wanted to kill him. They tried to murder him. Yeah. Both the man-eaters' bodies were taxidermied and can still be viewed on display to this day in the Field Museum of Natural History in They're Chicago. They're still kicking, like, That's like cool. in terms yeah, of... Yeah, if you Google it, you can see... Oh, I've yeah. seen the photos of them. They actually look scary. They do, because they, they were taxidermied, like, in their last pose sort yeah. of thing. They look creepy. Do they look scary because they put, like, texture cranky eyebrows on <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, squiggle it on. And then yeah. put them in the, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that lady who tried to repair the Jesus painting and it looks terrible. <laughs> well, they, they had some ideas of why they did what they did. Apparently, they examined their teeth and they had, like, large abscesses in their mouth or one at least one of them did. Mm. And it's kind of like the bears. They it couldn't really... And- yeah, and they couldn't really hunt like they normally would again. And they started eating men and they were just like, well, this is easy yeah, pickings. Well, this and they is just, easy. Yeah, we'll keep doing And this. they just kept doing it. And then I think they got a taste for it or whatever. I don't think they were really demons. Maybe they were. But he, he later talked talks about in his story how he came across their lair while he was hunting a rhino. He was following like a rhino path. And then, I know, right? And then he got, there was a lair. <laughs> Back to the easy kills. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and it was like, so you know how he kept losing them on the rocks by the river? Mm. The lair was like out of the riverbank. And he, he could see like there was like skulls and human jawbones and arms and shit all scattered. The amount of bones they found were ridiculous, yeah. wasn't it? Like- but isn't that say, saying something as well? When he recovered the majority of the bodies, you know what I mean? And mm. then he, they taken still... a lot more than he, what you think. Yeah. yeah. And he... Didn't, they were too scared to go and it was like him and another dude. He fired a couple of shots off to see if anything came out. Nothing came out except a bunch of bats. And that was it. So that was like the extent of the lair. But he found that well after he'd already killed them. Yeah. yeah. He was on safari. He, he killed so much shit. I don't even want to talk about it. Like so much shit. So he was really the ghost in the darkness to the animals. The animals were like, oh, geez, we better mm-hmm. put... Pretty much. The rhino's family's like, oh, God, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. No, he's busy with the lions. We should be good. Oh, my God, here it comes. <laughs> they, they hide the lions to get in. <laughs> yeah, that really hit me. <laughs> it is pretty, like, accurate depiction, the movie. Like, in terms of, like, the timeline it follows and the events that happen, the mm. movie... It sounded like it was spot on, except for the other hunter obviously yeah. didn't last much longer in it with him. No. And what did it end up happening to him? He, he just left because he got injured yeah, or whatever. He, yeah, he they fixed his back up. Like, he stitched his back up as best he could and he yeah. had to leave. So he really brought system. Abdul there, dropped him Abdullah. off, and then went home. Yeah, it's pretty bad, eh? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, they estimated... They think scientifically they studied something to do with the teeth or the stomach or something, and they could tell based on the breakdown of the cells that they had consumed at least, for like, 35 to 40 men. Oh, I'd have no doubt afterwards. But then it's like, how many did they not kill? Like, how many did they kill but not eat? How many did they half eat? Like, yeah. how, like did they only half eat the men and then it's really 80 men? Or you know what I but mean? But like you say, they found like the majority of the ones that were taken and, mm-hmm. and then they go into the cave and find all the bones and that. Like, it's obviously been yeah. going on for a while. Yeah. So yeah, that was the Man Eaters of Savo. That was pretty cool. Like, it's not really. Do you know what? One of, they had an, they, he had another story in there and I just want to hear that story. They had another issue with a Man Eater and it had was killing people similar way, but in like a township. And uh, it ended up being killed with a poison arrow that a dude shot from a tree. So a dude brought it down with a single poisoned arrow from a tree. Like, No uh, way. How cool does that story sound? He yeah. just touched on that. I'm like, that sounds better than your story. Tell me that story. I want to hear that story. But he wasn't a god and he didn't have servants. <laughs> he was oh, a No, no, no. He was, he was an indigenous African. So <laughs> what, is, what would he know? If you had just asked me, I would have brought my bow and arrow over. <laughs> Legless. <laughs> I could have done it with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. It's a bit of a longer one, but you, we didn't post the last two weeks, so 
Enjoy. Con- yeah, congratulations. <laughs> You're a winner. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye. See you guys. Have fun sleeping tonight. <laughs>